Visitors, we welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're glad that you've come to worship with us. We are in a series called The Life and Times of Jesus, and today we finish up the early years, which we'll be talking about uh, Jesus' life from age 12 up to around 30 years old. And uh, before we get into all of that today, I just want to, sh to show you some things in the uh, uh, bulletin. We have, the, Christ Church is a multi-site. We have a uh, uh, campus over in East, or in Silvis, the one here, and then one in Carbon Cliff. Each one needs to be able to maintain itself. And the newest one is Carbon Cliff. We haven't started worship services over there yet, but it has been opened as a community center for Carbon Cliff, and people are, are utilizing it for a community center. One of the fundraisers that we're going to have is uh, this coming Friday night. It's a chili supper and also uh, an open mic night. And you can see it in your bulletin, that's what it's for. Uh, just a reminder that that's, uh, that's, that's us over in Carbon Cliff. So if you can support that and have a good time. You can also see about the Valentine's Day party that we're gonna have. Uh, that is for the church family. Um, it's not a lovey-dovey type event. It's, it's, for, it's just the church getting together and partying. We, we've done this uh, a lot, usually do it at around noon. We decided to do it on Friday evening uh, because it's a Friday, the 14th. And there are, uh, out in the welcome area, below the uh, TV screen, there is uh, some sign-up sheets there that you can, you can fill out if you want. We're going to take a break from the life and times of Jesus between the early years and the ministry years and have three Sundays, which will basically be training opportunities for the congregation as we look forward to our, our goal for, for 2020. Does anybody know the goal of Christ Church for 2020? It's two words. Reach one. Reach one. That's the goal. How do we do that? How, how, what does all of that mean? What, what, uh, what happens when we start exponentially multiplying uh, the ones and, and the tens and the hundreds and the thousands all the way up to a million? And, and we'll be talking about that. And you can also see in your bulletin there are two training events that has been set up for, for February. And one is on the 15th. The other one is on the 23rd. And both of them are here at, at Christ Church. And there will be people from outside coming in to join us as well. But uh, would love for you to, to be a part of that to help us uh, uh, move forward into the year. We uh, um, will be having right after the opening set of music an opportunity to receive Holy Communion. If you are not a member here, you still are welcome. It's Jesus Christ who invites you to his table, and if you want to be in relationship to him, that's a great way to, to start, is to come and be a part of that invitation. Also, um, kids are welcome at his table as well, so uh, uh, feel free to have your, your kids come forward. I believe that's all we have. Let's uh, have a prayer, and we'll start our worship service. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity simply be a, a part of what you are our blessing today. And I ask that you will uh, be with each one of us as we uh, seek to, to move out today and, and to uh, be a part of the kingdom of God by announcing the reign of God to this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we get ready for this worship, let's stand and greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ.
<laughs> Sayonara? This would keep us from getting the flu. There you go. Oh, I see. But they still get it, really. <laughs> Everything starts over there. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right, this morning as we gather in his name, we're going to be singing the song, Holy is the Lord, and that is the song of heaven. And when you think about it... Jesus says he would pray to the Father. He didn't go in Jesus' name, you know, because it was him. But uh, he would know the song of heaven. He would know that eternally the angels are surrounding the throne singing, Holy, holy is the Lord. So right now, this morning, we start with that. So let's focus our eyes and our ears and our hearts on praising him. As we stand, we stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, and together we sing, everyone sing. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. Every voice, we stand and lift. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down and worship Him now How great, how awesome is He And together we sing Everyone sing Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. Rising up all around it's the anthem of the Lord's renown. It is rising up all around it's the anthem of our song. the Lord's renown. It is rising up all around it's the anthem of the Lord's renown, it is rising up all around. It's the anthem of the Lord's renown. And together we sing, everyone sing, 
is filled with his glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. The earth is filled with his glory. solid rock we stand. Whatever has come into our lives this Lord, we bring, whether it's joys or sorrows, Lord, we lay them at your feet. We thank you that it is you that will pick them up and turn them to glory. Lord, it is you we worship. It is you that we adore. We've come to sit at your feet, to praise you, to worship you. How good to be in the house of the Lord. We lift up our hands. Will you meet us here as we call on your name? Will you meet us here? We have come to this place to worship you, God of mercy and grace. It is you we adore. Holy is his 
Christ our Lord invites you to his table. All who love him and seek to earnestly follow him, you're welcome. So let's pray as we prepare to receive this holy sacrament. Lord Jesus, on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you gathered with your disciples, and there at the meal, you took the bread, you blessed it, you broke it, and you gave it to them, saying, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. When the supper was over, you took the cup, and after giving thanks, you said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so now as we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, we remember once in, once in a your great love for us. Be with us in the, in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup that when we leave here, we will know that every place we foot, put our foot, we can announce the reign of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will those who are gonna help with communion, will you please come forward? Once again, it's Jesus who invites you to his table. We do have gluten-free 
bread in the middle, and you are welcome to come, so won't you please come.
We thank you for coming to us in the, in the breaking of the bread and drinking of the cup. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence right here, right now. We come to honor you. Honor you with our worship, but we also come to experience you, Lord. We seek your Holy Spirit power for our lives. Lord God, I thank you for, for how you interact in our lives and how you allow us to stay on your path. And that you guide us, that you direct us, that you give us wisdom and insight in terms of what would be best, not only for, for us, but for others and, for, and, and as we follow you. Give us your divine insight. Also, Lord, I ask that you be with those whom you've called us to pray for. Hear those names, Lord, as we lift them up to you. God, hear both the spoken and unspoken prayers of our hearts. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Super Bowl Sunday. I see that you're all real excited about that. Well, let's get it out of our system right now. How many of you are for the Kansas City Chiefs? Whoa, you're going to root for the Kansas City Chiefs. How many of you are going to root for the Green Bay Packers? Yeah. <laughs> what, do you mean Green Bay's not playing today? What a shame. How about, how about the Bears? The Bears. Oh, they're not playing any rats. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. How about the 49ers? Anybody 49er fans? I'm going to declare it right now that Christchurch is not 49ers fans. I think there was maybe two people that in all three services that raised their hand and they sort of went like this. Hey, we are in this series, as I was talking earlier, about the life and times of Jesus, trying to learn more about Jesus. If you want to follow the man, you've got to know who he was. You've got to know who he is. If you want to know more about God, look at Jesus. And what we've been doing here since the beginning of the year is looking at the earliest times in his life, from his birth through 12 years old. Well, now we're going to we're going to have a, a massive amount of years from 12 to 30. And interesting thing about this is that most of what we know happened after 30. 
So we, uh, we don't know much about the private years of Jesus, those years that were really not recorded in the Bible. We do know what happened at age 12. Age 12, that's that bar mitzvah year where the, the uh, uh, Jewish boy becomes a man. He goes through ceremonies. And one of the things that was done is that uh, those who would go to Passover, 12-year-old boys could go in and talk with the uh, teachers in the temple in Jerusalem, ask them questions, and they would be asked questions. And uh, uh, they, they would be able to, it would be a part of their learning experience. This is what we've learned. This, I got questions about this and so on and so forth. Well, Jesus, as you might remember, uh, went with his family, went up to Jerusalem and did that kind of training. But when it came time to leave, it was during pa- Passover, it's about a week long, and when it came time to leave, Jesus decided to stay without telling his parents, without telling Mary and Joseph. Now, Jesus uh, would have and should have, I guess, gone with the group. The group would have been about what have been the family and others, neighbors and, and such from the, the Nazareth area, and they would have caravaned back to Nazareth. It would have been about a 90-mile trip to do that. But Jesus decided to stay in Jerusalem. Now, they traveled a, a full day and then got uh, to where they were going to spend the night. And Mary started taking a, a head count of the children. Do you remember that, that movie Home Alone when the mom knows something's wrong and she's in the airplane? She's trying to think of what, what happened and then all of a sudden she realizes, Gavin! She screams. I wonder if Mary did the same thing. Can you imagine, as reality set in, Joseph and Mary looking at each other and saying, we've lost the Son of God. (laughs) What are we going to do? God is not going to be happy. We've lost his Son. So they they, they risk safety. They leave the caravan. They go back the next day to Jerusalem. And they begin looking for him. And after at least, a, a, it says three days, but one day may have been the travel day and then a day of looking. So at least a, a two or three days looking for him, they find him in the temple. You remember the story. He's there with the teachers. The teachers are looking at him. And they, um, they're listening to his questions. They are amazed by the kind of questions he's, answer, uh, is, he's asking and also by the, the answers that he is giving of their their question. Here's a boy who is way beyond his years in knowledge and understanding of Scripture and of God. And they're amazed by it. In comes comes Mary and Joseph. And Mary is very much like any mom who has just lost a son and found found him. You ever been there? I have. Um, you have. You have two things happening in your life. One is this amazing sense of relief. The other one is you're really ticked off. And it, and it sort of comes out in Mary who says, you know, how could you do this to us? We've been searching all over for you. And his response that sort of, sort of 
hold of the change. Is why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? My father's business. He's in the temple. He sees that Father God is his father. Now everybody's amazed. They're looking, and, you know, and, and, and so Mary and Joseph begin taking him home, takes him home. And they're probably thinking to themselves, what are we going to do with this kid? Okay, now we're picking it up right there. It's from Luke 2, 51 and 52. Chapter 2, verses 51 52. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. Help it to sink right in and to make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name I, I pray. Amen. A couple things. One, it says that he went, that, that you know, he, he and his parents, they, they leave Jerusalem. He, he goes down to Jerusalem. But you've been looking at maps. We've, <clears throat> we've, we've uh, talked about how Nazareth is up in Galilee and they're down in Jerusalem. But it says they went down to Nazareth. One of the reasons for that is that Jerusalem is in the hill country. It sets on a series of hills, and the elevation in Jerusalem is around 3,200-foot uh, elevation. And Nazareth is relatively high. It's, it's at 1,100 feet, and still it would be going down out of the hill country into Nazareth. Nazareth also was uh, a, a place that had a lot of thoroughfare of the world passing it by, about maybe four, out, four miles from where they were uh, was a Roman road where uh, from, a, from a, a place near Nazareth you could see carav caravans of the world passing by. But it seemed like the world sort of passed Nazareth by. Even the world powers, as they had come through with their armies, seldom did they visit Nazareth which ends up being a good thing because there are buildings in Nazareth that are very, very old. One is, it's called the Synagogue Church. It's a Christian church now, but the assumption, uh, even over the door, it, it has the word synagogue on it, and it is assumed that that same building is where Jesus would have worshipped. Can you imagine going to Nazareth, going in the building where Jesus worshipped? Also in Nazareth, even though it's about 77,000 people now, at the time of Jesus, it was, it was probably less than 1,000. And there is one well, and it's still there. And so you can imagine Mary coming to draw water from that well every morning. You can imagine maybe Jesus and his buddies going there during the day to get, to, to get a drink of water. And also about a um, short distance from, from Nazareth, uh, there is this Mount Precipice, which is a high uh, place that you can see into the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Megiddo, and uh, there you could also see this uh, uh, Roman road that would have carried so many caravans of, of uh, people from around the world. And this picture is, is kind of cool. It is uh, a picture of Jason Wolliver, Wolliver who is the pastor at the Crossroads United Methodist Church in Washington. He's a friend of mine. 
And uh, I, I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to use your picture um, this Sunday because we're going to talk about Mount Precipice in, in Nazareth. And he said, you know, interesting thing. I was up there, and I was just having a reflective moment, and that picture was taken of me by another person in the, in the group. But also up there close to where I was, I noticed two Israeli boys, uh, older boys, probably teenage, that were eating their lunch up there. And it made me think, I bet Jesus did that too. I bet Jesus went up on that precipice and just sat there and looked out over what seems like the world. I mean, it's just an incredible view. And uh, maybe he reflected on the Roman Empire, which would have been over the whole world and the, and the, and the emperor over, over that ru- ruling wor- world power. Or maybe he thought about Sephoris and, and how it was a, a larger city close by that uh, had, a, had a home there, temporary home for uh, uh, Herod Antipas, the, the, the king over the area. You'd have thought of the, the king there. Um, maybe he just looked over the whole incredible spance and thought of the king of the universe, Jesus, or God, you know, king of kings, lord of lords. But when you, when you think of how he grew up, I want you to remember that he had at least, at least six siblings. How many of you are the oldest in the family? How many of you were the oldest and you had a big family? Anybody? Okay. Uh, Angie, did you have to uh, take care of the young ones every once in a while? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You roughed them up, yeah. Made them get in line. Yeah. Got to take care of you kids instead of doing what I want to do. I wonder if Jesus ever felt that way. Having to take care of the kids. You You know, Mary would have had her hands full. But then being the oldest, Jesus would have spent a lot of time with Joseph, and they would have been in the carpenter shop. We know from Scripture that he learned to be a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. He would, he would have had the um, apprenticeship from his father. And as he grew up, how was he perceived? Well, there's a couple of things that, that uh, stick out. One is from uh, the, two of them are from the Gospel of Luke, that second chapter, where it talks about him being full of wisdom and growing in stature. And the other one says that he grew in stature and uh, in wisdom and stature. So he had this, uh, this, this wisdom about him, but who knew about it? Well, if we, if we, Jump ahead. Okay, we're going to get into this next month, but we'll jump ahead here and we look at Matthew 13, verses 53 through 56. It says this about Jesus. He's, he's basically in his ministry. He says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there, coming to his hometown, which was Nazareth. He began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Well, didn't they know him? Yeah, they did. It says right next, it says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, 
Simon and Judas, or Jude, <clears throat> aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? Now this tells us a lot. I mean, they would have known him. It's a small town. They would have known Jesus. They would have watched him grow up. Incidentally, you know, one question is, where, where, what happened to his dad? Well, his dad may still have been alive when Jesus started his ministry. It says right here, isn't this the carpenter's son? Well, it doesn't say, isn't this the son of the man who used to be the carpenter? You know, I, I don't know. Um, another, another side note when it comes to Jesus' father, a lot of, a lot of uh, art portrayals of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus has, has uh, Joseph looking pretty old. Have you ever noticed that? It looks like an old man. And a lot of it is, is because the assumption was, well, he must have been old because he wasn't around in Jesus' ministry, so he died young. One thing that, that, that's putting our agenda on times back then. Guess what the average age span of someone's life was back then? Anybody want to take a guess? 50? 40. 40. Now, Jeff said 50. If we take out the infant deaths, then it may bump that up to, to like 50. But with that in mind, Joseph would have been pretty much at the end of his life when Jesus started his ministry at age 30. Don't you see that? Um, so if he, if he was still around, he would have, he would have been uh, near the end of his life. But uh, it also, uh, you know, as we mentioned, the, the names of, of the, the, the kids, he would have been growing up with a big family. And then um, he, uh, we got this thing where, where the people of the community, those who were in the synagogue, those where Jesus had, had probably learned next to, were saying, where did he get all this wisdom? Where'd he get all this stuff? And these miraculous powers, how's he doing that? Isn't this, isn't this Mary's boy? Have you ever had that wonderful experience of going back to your own hometown and finding out that they really haven't let you grow up? You know what I mean? Yeah, they knew him. They just didn't know him. They didn't know his wisdom. How did he, how did he get this stuff? Well, that, that's, an important, that's an important question because that is where the meaning comes to us today. What does this mean for us that Jesus grew up in Nazareth? What was it like for you when you were 12 years old? Do you remember? Get in touch with that. How about when you turned to be a teenager? And some of you are older than the teenage years. What was it like to turn 21? What kind of mischief did you get in that you never quite got around to tell your parents about? What about your first job? What was it? What did you like to do? Where, where did you like to go? Who were your friends? You know, you get in touch with 
the things that you experienced, my guess is that those experiences were not much different from Jesus, except for one. When I look back on my life, I, uh, I realized something from like those early teenage years to my early 20s. This while Jesus was leaning into God, I was leaning away from God. And you know, you've you've heard me share with you that that you know, I was in church all the time. My parents made sure of that. Couldn't get couldn't get away from it. I had my oldest brother, he he knew probably at his inception that he was going to be a preacher. He just, you know, and I had to live with that. You're going to follow in your brother's footsteps? Eight-year-old brother. I still have issues about that, don't I? Um, grandfather was a pastor. You know. And, you know, I, I just, I, I grew up going, I don't think that's for me. I don't, I, I want to follow, I want to follow my own path. I, I don't want to follow in somebody else's footsteps. And so I found myself leaning away from God. Besides, I knew it all. You ever been there, done that? Young teenager, you just, you just know it all. And I had the biblical knowledge to prove it to a lot of my Sunday school teachers. They hated me. Because a lot of times I knew the stories better than they did. Because I'd been around it my whole life. And and we get, this, we get this attitude that we know so much in that time period that we're talking about. So I think it's kind of interesting that when we look at, at, at Jesus, what it says is that he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Isn't that interesting? He submitted to them even though he may have known a lot more, he submitted to them. But at the same time, he was, he was leaning in to God while the rest of us sort of lean out. And, and I, you know, there, there's this quote that Mark Twain is attributed to. I don't, I don't know if he ever, ever really said this, but he gets the credit. I love this because it expla- you know, just explains this time frame in our lives. It says, when I was a boy of 14... My father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, it was, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Yeah. That's it. While we're moving away from God, Jesus is leaning in to God. And so as we look at this time frame in his life, I want us to notice some things. First of all, he grew in stature. In our minds, we have this picture of Jesus that comes from artwork through the years of somebody who's very frail, white-skinned, and skinny. Can you envision these 
portraits of Jesus. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make him look spiritual. So spiritual that, that the, the physical nature of him is just sort of put aside. But take a look at the front bulletin cover there. That, that, that cover, I wish I, I knew the artist's name. I, it, it may have been done for a, a Sunday school publication or something. But it has this, young, this, this younger boy, this younger man, in the, the carpenter shop with Joseph, and he's working his muscles there. Kind of a good-looking kid. He's, 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 he's developing physically. Well, folks, that didn't stop. One thing you need to know about Jesus is that he would have been somebody who had developed in stature. He was uh, probably a muscular guy who knew hard work. He worked his muscles. He had calluses on his hands. Don't buy the idea that he was some sort of a frail individual. He was far from it. Now let's look at the wisdom. It says that he also grew in wisdom. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Have you ever heard of an educated idiot? That'd be me, you know. I may know a lot, but have no common sense. Um, there, there is this, uh, there's this, this perception that wisdom and knowledge are together. It's not. It's, it's two different things. And the Bible is, is clear about that and even points out the difference. But um, what we need to understand about when it talks of wisdom here, it talks about an insight into the human nature and the divine nature. Jesus, as he leaned into God, he was understanding more about people and, and God at the same time. And, and he, uh, he acquired uh, this, this acuteness in those two areas through experience. Being with people, being with God, he uh, was able to, uh, uh, to develop this wisdom. And you probably have run into people in your life who you, you go, wow. They're very wise. They may have, have shared something with you that was, was very wise. And then there are those people that can look at you and they know you. I mean, you, they, they look into your eyes and you, and you think they're, they're looking right into my soul. Jesus was like that. He would look at someone and they would think, this guy knows everything about me. How did he do that? Because he leaned into God and he had developed this wisdom, this insight into people and into God. Now, um, I'm not one to think that, that Jesus knew it all when he was a baby. I think he developed as a human being. I think there's enough benefit uh, from Scripture that we realize that. And that he, he grew, he, he developed. And, and so, um, what, what does this mean for us? Well, I, I just want to point out a few things. And, and in, one, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18, it just said, uh, um, well, 17 and 18, I'll just read the whole thing. It says, for the, for the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. 
and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Did you know that? That our task as we lean into God is to become more and more like Him. So turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're starting to look like Jesus today. How'd that feel? How'd that feel? What do you mean, Pastor? Dirty, rotten scoundrels like us were supposed to be more like Jesus? Yes. That's exactly what is being said. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, you must have the same attitude as Jesus had. Now, how do we get that? How do we get this kind of wisdom? Anybody got a guess? James tells us, James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, well, this ought to be good. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You lack wisdom, you lean into God through asking Him, which is what? Prayer. Church, how's your prayer life? When was the last time you really spent time with God? You really prayed. You really leaned into Him. Lord, I, I want to be more like you. Give me the wisdom to do that. Not only will it give you wisdom, but there's something else that happens. The Greek word is dunamis. Dunamis. Also, close to it is dynamis. Dynamis. Guess what English word we get from that word? Dynamite! Do I have your interest? Okay, listen to this. When Mary received the visit from Gabriel going way back to Christmas and she says how will this be how will I have this child I, for I am a virgin this is what the angel said the Holy Spirit will come on you the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Guess what? That Holy Spirit power is available to you. Yeah. It's available to you. What's happening in your life right now? What are you struggling with? What are your addictions? Where are you struggling? Where are the problems? How about just blowing it up with the dynamite of the Holy Spirit? The power of the Holy Spirit is available to each one of us. You don't have to mope around. Give it to God and allow His Holy Spirit to work in your life by leaning into it, leaning into God. Lean into Him. Receive. 
that Holy Spirit has promised to everyone that follows him. Folks, you don't have to do it alone. The dunamis of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is there for you. One last thing. Jesus, during this time period, he prayed, leaned into God by praying, having that relationship, that strong connection with God, which helped him develop the wisdom. He also was tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit that he knew that was within him because of of God. The third thing, maybe he was up on the precipice when he finally saw this, but he would be thinking about the King of the King and Lord of Lords that's over all the kings and lords of this world. And what we'll learn when we start talking uh, the next time in March about uh, about, uh, the life and times of Jesus is he started his ministry with a message. And that message was the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is within you. Folks, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to recognize that the kingdom of God is with us, and if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, if we're leaning into Him through prayer and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then watch this. Every place you put your foot, there the kingdom of God is. You can take with your life from here today and announce the reign of God wherever you go. The decision is yours. Or, you know, am I going to leave this place and, and announce the, 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 the reign of Roger over my life? Or am I going to leave this place and announce the reign of God over my life? And when we do that, church, look out. Because it will be dynamite. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for showing us from your Holy Scripture how we can lean into you. We thank you that Jesus came into this world because of his love for us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that can empower us to do this thing called life right in your eyes. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Before we leave this room and go out in the power of God, we can be assured that God will never let go of us, that he walks beside us and empowers us to do this great mission. Let's stand and sing, You Never Let Go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life I won't turn back I know you are near I will fear no evil for my God is with me and if my God is with me
shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. stuff and I just I invite you to go and announce the reign of God in your life by sharing your faith with someone who needs love forgiveness or hope point them toward God let him save them as he is saving you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the people of God shouted Amen. Amen. Singing, oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go, Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, you never let go of me. Can we just take it all? Yeah. See you guys Wednesday. Yeah.
<laughs> I love it. Roger. How's he going to do everything? Thank you. Oh, good to see you again.